Son and Holy Spirit. Be up, beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is the name of the Lord. said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, pronounce the grace of God unto all of you, and in his stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. of your testimonies before kings, O Lord, and shall not be put to shame. <clears throat> I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. children, listen to me. I will teach thee the fear of the Lord.
will speak of your testimonies before kings, O Lord, and shall not be put to shame. pray. Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon your faithful people and keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation. Defend us against all our enemies and grant unto your holy church your saving grace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. The first lesson for this, the Feast of the Reformation, is written in the 14th chapter of the Revelation of St. John, beginning at the 6th verse. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead, and with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell upon the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord.
Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers. Consider her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is our God forever and ever. The second lesson is written in the third chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Rome, beginning at the 19th verse. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those that are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no man will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Now the righteousness of God is manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Alleluia! Fear not, little flock, for your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Alleluia! Holy Gospel is written in the 8th chapter of St. John, beginning at the 31st verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are the seed of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. 
the Son remains forever. If the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father he will come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, the life of the world to come. in pride on earth is not 
Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Luther was never an admirer of lawyers, which is ironic, since he was at law school. He, as an old pastor, he remarked that the privileges that the lawyers had enjoyed at Erfurt University, where he had attended law school, were many and that they were very arrogant men, most of them, especially towards the theologians. A successful jurist, Luther once said, is a woeful Christian. He should know. When he was there at the university in Erfurt, um, shockwaves were still res you know, resonating within the, in the institution, because just a few years before, the most noted theologian of that university had been arrested by the Inquisition and sentenced to life imprisonment because Johannes of Wessel Wiesel had dared to condemn, in, condemn indulgences as a pious fraud. Secondly, he demanded that the laity should receive the chalice in Holy Communion, and then he also had the audacity to insist that not the Pope or even councils, but Holy Scripture alone was the final authority of faith. And for that, he was sentenced to life imprisonment and thrown into a dungeon. 
and the people and the scholars and the professors at the University of Erfurt, they remembered it. In fact, Erfurt University at this time in history, in the early 1500s, was arguably the finest of all philosophical schools. They had the most rigorous curriculum. They had the best professors. In fact, the Amplonian College, where Luther lived for several years as a law student, was the stronghold, the mighty fortress of the Via Moderna, the modern way, championed originally by the exiled Bishop of Cant- Archbishop of Canterbury, William of Ockham, who died in 1349 in Munich. And this, this doctrine, or this ph- philosophical school of thought, for them, it was, dis- it was the decisive principle and the characteristic of the Via Moderna that all philosophical speculation about the world must be tested by means of experience and reality-based reason, regardless of what the most respected authorities might say to the contrary. And according to Arnaldi, one of the great, great uh, nominalist uh, Moderna people, he said that this is no different in theology. All theological speculation must be tested by the authority of Scripture. In other words, sola scriptura. And this is the milieu, this is the Zitzenleben, this is the situation academically where Luther cut his academic teeth. Therefore, is it any surprise that just a few years later, a pious law student turned monk out of fear for his own immortal soul and the immortal souls of those around him would go to the castle church door in Wittenberg where he was a young faculty member and nail 95 pieces to that door on Halloween 1517, demanding debate on why God's word wasn't being treated as the greatest authority in theological matters. not accidental, is it? Not at all. Because it was Martin Luther's conviction that much of what called itself Christendom was ignoring Christ. Because it is Jesus who says to us in John 8, 31 to 32, if you abide my, my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So, how free are we? Do you feel very free? Or are you a slave? Good question, isn't it? It's interesting that, or do we even know what free means? What God means when he says free here? Because the word for free in Greek here is elu peruo. Sounds almost like Luther, doesn't it? It's kind of ironic. Sounds almost like Luther. A little cosmic irony there from the original Greek. No, the word here for freedom that means literally truth. It means that God here, through the revelation of Jesus Christ, his son, delivers us from sin by truth. And that this truth sets us free. See, that's the problem, right? We live by lies. We live in a world that lives by lies, and we live by those lies, and we go along with the lies, don't we? And when we go along with lies, we are, in, we are embracing the shackles and chains of slavery 
to sin because the devil is a liar and the father of it. And all his views are based ultimately on lies. He's the father of lies. The truth is not standing within him. Now, as the great Raymond Brown said, it is the truth that is meant here in the revelation of Jesus Christ that sets us free. And, and it's interesting that in 1 Qumran scroll, in the, in, the, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, in 1 Qumran scroll 4, 20 to 21, it says something very similar, that God will purge by his truth all the deeds of men and will sprinkle on him a spirit of truth like water that cleanses every lying abomination. God's truth literally, according to the Dead Sea Scrolls, annihilates sin. Interesting. Additionally, early rabbinic writings such as Perge Aboth 111.6 declares that we find the idea that the study of the Torah is a liberating factor, freeing one from worldly cares. It frees one. God's word frees one from worldly cares, in other words. How interesting. How interesting. Do you have any, do we have any worldly cares right now? Just turn on the news. You'll be given 12 or 15 different ones you can choose from. Any flavor of worldly care you care to have. Every single day. So how are we doing with the worldly cares? Are they enslaving us? Are we slaves to our fears, our cares? Because the reason why today's vestments and today in the altar is dressed in red is because of fear. You know that, right? Y'all know that, right? It's because of fear. That's why it's red. Because of fear. Because a law student at the University of Erfurt in, in the early 1500s, was so afraid that he and his fellows were going to go to hell that he left the university, he left he left the law school and he went into the monastery and he, he joined an observant Augustinian monastery where he strove for years to make himself good enough for God. He was, he was terrified that he would not find a, great, a, 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 a gracious God and then he would die and he would end up in hell forever. And so he strove to obey the, the, and observe the rule of St. Benedict. He, he went to church six times a day, took mass once a day at least. So seven services a day. I mean, a lot of us are doing good if we make it once a week, once a month. Six times a day, he went to prayers. And he went to confession at least twice a day. And at that time, the church said that unless you confess the sin specifically, you were not forgiven from sins you can't remember. And so he would rack his brain every day trying to confess every sin. And but the more he confessed, the more he realized, like peeling back an onion, that there was more sin underneath and he could never get free of the sin. And so then he tried to mortify his flesh from the sin. And so he would sleep with the windows open and, and he would... He would lay on the, on, on the stone floor of his, of his little monk cell and he would leave the windows open at night in Germany in winter. And, 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 and some nights when he couldn't get the, drive the evil thoughts from his mind, he would take out the whip, the cat of nine tails, and he would beat himself unconscious so that his brothers at morning prayers when he wasn't there would find him unconscious lying on the floor of his cell in a pool of his own blood. And he wasn't the fat Luther we see in the, in the pictures. He was a thin, starving himself to death Luther. Because he was trying to make himself good enough for God. And he realized that it was, it, he was hitting a dead end. He was slamming his head against the wall of God's law. 
It was driving him to despair. Yeah, that's the real Luther. It's one people don't know about. You know what his mistake was? He's making the same mistake some of us make. We all make to a certain degree. He wasn't listening to Jesus. See, Jesus says to us, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. He wasn't listening to God's word. See, if we are to find a gracious God, we have to seek him in God's word. We have to seek him there. If we seek him anywhere else, we won't find him. He's not on the mountaintop. He's not on the ocean. He's certainly not on the golf course, at the bar. It's in the scriptures. Then one day, Luther read in Habakkuk 2.4 that the just shall live by faith. It was like the lights came on in the darkness of his cave, and he knew the truth. The just shall live by faith. And then he read how in Acts 16.31, God, God's word tells us that, you know, he tells us that you believe in the Lord and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. Right? Or as Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, and Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Thus, our faith is found in Jesus Christ, God the Son, who paid the penalty for our sins upon the cross, right? That's the reason why we process this piece of artwork in and out, is to remind us of that, that he paid the penalty for our sins, that he has the ability, therefore, to, re- to forgive us our sins, because he paid for them the old-fashioned way, with his own blood. He paid the blood price. It's free to you, cost him everything. And that's why when he makes you free, you're free indeed. Therefore, through God's word, Luther's desire to find a merciful and gracious God was achieved. But it wasn't achieved by him. It was achieved by Christ, through his word. Yes, that's where he found the merciful, true, and only God. And then he also was comforted by this God of grace and this God of mercy as God comes to us and came first to Luther and he comes to us through his word and sacraments. For what are his sacraments? His sacraments are his words connected to earthly elements of water, bread, and wine. As, Heiko, as the great German theolo- theologian historian Heiko Oberman says, it was, it was fear for his salvation that drove him. He wanted to achieve eternal life and was filled with fear and trembling. But it was through that attempt to achieve eternal life that he realized that eternal life cannot be achieved by efforts or our own reason or strength, but it must be given to us as a gift or we will not receive it at all. We must be saved by grace through faith and not of works. It is the gift of God, Ephesians 2, verse 8. Yes, Luther finally understood that salvation, as Romans 9, verse 16 says, does not depend on a man's desire or effort but God's mercy. And that, as I said, is by grace you have been saved, Ephesians 2, 5. 
Furthermore, to give our earthly existence something to cling to, right? Something we can get our hands around. God has connected his word to water and holy baptism, right? And the reason why the font is put this place there in your way to get to the communion rail is so that you have to, you're reminded by it. You have to see it. You have to look at it. It's centered to the room. That's intentional. That's not accidental. So that every time you walk past the, the font, you're reminded, yes, that, that you believe and you're baptized and therefore you're saved. That in baptism, the old passed away and everything became new. That's why it's there. Yeah, that's not an accident. And also at Christ's altar, he beckons to us to come and take and eat his true body and his true blood given to us under the veils of bread and wine. Yes, he bids us to take and eat and take and drink, right? In fact, he says that the, that, that the blood in his cup, and that cup is the New Testament, in his blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, so that when you take communion, you are literally imbibing, you are literally consuming the New Testament. And therefore, you know you have salvation. Yes, like Luther before us, it's through baptism and holy communion that God makes the reality of his salvation even more real to us, and the comfort even more even more certain. And how do we know this? How do we know these things? We know them because we abide in his word. And Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. In Jesus' name. Wait, then I'll come next time. Just, just wait, I'll come get you. Okay. Thank you.
Welcome this morning. We're so glad to have everybody here. Um, a couple things uh, going on today at two in the afternoon at here at Redeemer. We'll have trunk or treat. This is uh, with our youth youth group, our sponsoring it. But we we'd love to have anybody that wants to do a trunk or wants to come get treats. Uh, the please please get here uh, maybe around one thirty ish. You think is that right, Amanda? What do you think, Hector? About one thirty. Okay. And, uh, and they'll get you all set up and ready to go, and uh, I'll be joining, I'll come join you all as soon as uh, I get, get done at Concordia, I'll be heading over. But uh, yeah, just get ready for tr- Trunk or Treat at, at 2 o'clock today, it should be a really good time. I'll uh, get that nice sign up there, and, and I'm sure we'll have some neighbors joining us too, hopefully. And then, um, uh, good, and then we got that, and then uh, next Sunday, at both services, we're going to swear in our new members. So if you're a new member, you've joined the last, I don't know, six months or whatever, we haven't sworn you in yet, we're going to swear you in tomorrow. Come to whichever service you normally come to. But at Bible class time, which is 8.45 in the morning, we're going to, uh, right around in there, once we get you all there, we're going to uh, have, there's going to be some cake and some goodies. Uh, Miss Bonnie's preparing. should be really nice. And uh, we're going to have a little reception just welcoming you. So members, please come to Sunday school tomorrow to at least welcome um our new members and uh, new members, please come to Sunday school tomorrow, next Sunday, so you can be welcome. So that'd be great. Um, and then also next week is we're going to celebrate All Souls Day. So if you have had a, if so, we're going to one thing we're going to do differently next this year that we haven't done before is um, between the uh, epistle lesson and the gospel lesson, um, I am going to from the lectern read the names of those who have died in this parish, members of this parish. In the, since the beginning of the pandemic. So um, if you, um, the, the, Julie Kirk has the list. So, uh, and we've done our best to, you know, make sure that list is, is uh, comprehensive. But if, uh, if you want to make sure that your person, your family members are on there correctly, make sure you check with Bonnie just to make sure it's on, the names are on the list. We're not doing all family members, just the members that are members of this parish in the, you know, the last two years since the beginning of 2020. Till uh, all, all Souls Day uh, next next Sunday, where we'll we'll, we'll, res- we'll uh, observe all saints. Okay, good. And then also uh, the fourteenth, we have the annual congregational meeting, and the information is there on on that as well. Good. We have a few prayer requests this morning. Uh, one prayer request that I have for y'all is uh, some of y'all know Beverly Osbacher, who is the uh, mother of Paul Schwartz. She died on Wednesday. So she died on Wednesday, and so the, we don't, the funeral's going to be in the, it's going to be somewhere, the memorial service is going to be somewhere, probably the Saturday after Thanksgiving, when all the family's in, but the congregation is, is of course, cordially invited to that as well. Um, and then also, Pops, or David Nielsen, as some of y'all know him, he's also a member of our church, he had a, a stroke on Thursday night, and he's at USA Medical Center in Mobile. Uh, and he's in, uh, I think he's in serious but guarded condition is my understanding of where he's at. So we keep, we'll keep, keep Pops in our prayers as well. And then also, um, Bonnie Smith asks that we pray for Ryan Henry, who's a 21-year-old man, young man who has a serious heart problem. And, uh, and, uh, and, and his mother is, uh, helps, is Bonnie's housekeeper. And then also we pray for uh, David Adler, who is a friend of Richard Poser's who is in hospital for kidney and liver failure. So we pray uh, for those folks as well. The Lord be with you.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of all Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation, all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm. Especially we pray this day for, for Bob and, and Jackie, for Doris and, and Eddie and Norma and Kim, for Suzette and Bill and, and Sandra, for Diane and, and Hunter and, and Chris and Gail, Marion and, and Clayton, Meredith and James and George and Larry Dean, Earl and Suzette, for Bob and Mallory, Mark and Hank and Sandy and Megan, for Isaac and Haley and Marilyn. And we pray for Eddie and Patty and Cecil and, and Michelle, Carl and Karen, Jimmy and, and Tina, Ainsley and Kevin, for Ron and Mary Ellen, for Brian and Natalie, for Thelma and Jesse, for Ralph and Theo, Easton and Doug, for Fallon and Colby and Jamie and Audra and Francis Grace. And we pray for the families of our parish who mourn, especially the Ospacher and Schwartz families, the Neyland family, the Gallardi family, the Whitfield family, the Gershenschlager family, the Johnston and Williams family. Bird and Ulrich families, the Gibbons family, the Miles family, the Ellis family, the Smith family, and the Overy family. We pray, Heavenly Father, for all those serving in our country's armed forces, especially for Riley, Paul, Turner, Paul, Hayden, and Mike. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for all of our university students, including Colleen, Noah, Harrison, John, Katie, Dylan, Audrey, Dylan, Sarah, Olivia, Jason, Jacob, Minnie, Thomas, and Aiden. We pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray especially this day for um, the fa those who mourn the death of Beverly Ospacher. Have compassion, O Lord, upon all who mourn the death of Beverly, especially those who are lonely and desolate. Be thou their comfort and friend during this time of mourning, and give unto them er such earthly solace as thou seekest to be best for them and bring them to a full knowledge of thy love, and wipe away all their tears for the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. We also pray for... Um, we also pray for uh, Ryan and David. And we also pray for David Nielsen. Almighty and everlasting God, the eternal salvation of them that believe. Hear our prayers on behalf of thy servants, David and Ryan and, and, and David Adler, for whom we, we offer up our supplications and prayers. 
Look upon all of them with eyes of thy mercy and give them comfort and sure confidence in thee. Defend them from the dangers of the enemy and keep them in perpetual safety and peace through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever.